0: Welcome to the second season of Untick the Box podcast. I'm your host Govida and together we'll be spotlighting diverse voices across the UK and the world. From politics, consulting, social media and finance, we will be in conversation with a new guest each month, so don't forget to tune in. Before we get started, take a second to follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn for exciting updates and behind the scenes content. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're joining from today? Are you in the UK or are you um, somewhere else? No, I'm,
1: so today I'm joining from India. Uh, I came on Saturday. Yeah, I landed on Saturday and I am in India. I'm in northern India in the national capital region in a city called Gurgaon, which is um, a sort of business hub.
0: Lovely. Um,
1: yeah, that's where I'm joining from. Yeah. Lovely.
0: Well, it's very nice that we could make this work across time zones and continents. Yeah, and we'll jump into this right away. So um, tell us a little bit about how you started the Purpose Room three, three years ago, um, and what kind of inspired you?
1: Okay, so um, the starting point was not inspiration, actually. The starting point was a uh, barrier to career progression in the PR and comms industry in the UK, Uh, I was with an agency and I was very, very frustrated that I was unable to do the kind of work that I thought I should be doing because of my experience. And uh, I was unable to do that. And I quit. Um, I moved out in 2018, April, I think. And I moved out because I was, I wanted to actually figure out what, to do next. And um, instead of trying to figure out something else, I kept going back to the agency side until one fine day I decided, okay, that's not going to work because people are just not going to respond and it's going to be the same. People are just going to sort of ghost me or disappear. And, um, and it, and starting the consultancy actually uh, came from, my own sort of search for what to do next and what I was going to do next. And while I was thinking about it, and at that time I was was volunteering uh, with one of India's largest charities and I was doing a couple of projects and I quite enjoyed working on those projects. And I thought, okay, uh, let me try and do something for myself. And this was an opportunity to think about what I wanted to do next, if I was going to, you know, start my own consultancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was very clear that I did not want to do what I had been doing uh, for the last 30 years. And, uh, and of course, this was, you know, when you start afresh, when you have a clean slate, you can write whatever you want on it. And uh, what I wanted to do was be intentional about my, uh, what I call my second innings, uh, be more mindful and do the things that I was passionate about, do the things that I had thought of doing but didn't have the time because of, uh, you know, how busy mm-hmm. life was. And um, so I, that that's how I, uh, you know, came to uh, setting up my consultancy and calling it my the purpose room because it was, you know, my quest for my own North Star about what I would do for the next innings. And um, I decided that I'd focus on... Uh, organizational purpose, um, equity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. resilience and ESG and sustainability comms, because I believe that all three of these intersect very, very closely. And I'm very passionate about those areas.
0: That's very lovely to hear. Um, And I think it's really interesting that you call this your second innings, kind of like in a a cricket match. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what your first innings looked like and what you... um, what your first foray into the world of PR and communications look like and how that kind of inspired you or motivated you.
1: Okay. So, um, uh, my first innings, um, I, I have a master's in history and I have a master's in journalism and communications. And, uh, I thought that I was going to be a journalist. Uh, I thought I, you know, geopolitics was a <laughs> great interest to me. Um, uh, however, uh, I was, I got married very young and I had kids very young. So when I joined, when I got started working or started looking for work, uh, the first thing that came to me was uh, from an agency, from the agency side. And that's how I joined PR. Um, I joined to work with okay. one of India's largest independent agencies. At that time, it used to be called Mudra and it is aligned with DDB Needham, I think. And um that's why my right, yes. it was accidental. It wasn't it wasn't intentional, it was very accidental. And um I had a great great career despite in spite of not wanting to be uh, not wanting or not having thought about being a PR practitioner. Um I worked with some brilliant brands, right. including, you know, Air India, which is now owned by the Tatars. Singapore Airlines, Singapore Tourism Promotion Board, Lego. Um, it also regions and global brands, a lot of global brands. So I, I, ha- I had a good good uh, first stint. I also worked with a lot of the Tata businesses. Um, and this was when I came back to India for a stint after my uh, dad passed away. And uh, Tata's, Bloomberg Philanthropies, IHG, uh, dupont um so yeah it's it's been a fruit fruitful uh fairly fruitful career uh not very well planned but fairly fruitful and uh, something that i was quite uh, what do you say passionate about i liked the work that i was doing and um yeah i was very passionate about it so i enjoy enjoyed the work that i was doing
0: that sounds amazing and um i think it's it's a really um notable list of clients and people and industries that you've, that you've worked in. Um, what is something, um, throughout your work life, that's been an intrinsic part of your daily routine and you would never compromise on irrespective of, um, you know, where you've been and what kind of career you've been in either your first time or your second time, um, being in the comms industry. So
1: um, something that I, I've never compromised is on is on reading. I just love reading and uh, it helps me to reset, um, learn something new, or sometimes just escape to another world. Uh, I also have a routine where I speak to my mom every day when I'm in the UK, even when if it is just for five or 10 minutes. I have to check in each day. There is no compromising on that because she really looks forward to it. Um, Yeah, so these two things, reading and speaking to my mom and just knowing that, okay, everything is okay. I can get on with with life.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really nice habit. And then um, would you say that reading is something that you usually spend your time on when you're not working? Or there's some other things that you also enjoy doing?
1: There, There are lots of things. I love spending time with my children. I have three adult children. And I love spending time with them. So, you know, making plans to meet up, going for a theater or a movie or a play or just to eat, eat at some restaurant. Uh, and when I'm here, I love meeting up with my friends. I love watching movies. Um, I love, it, sounds, it may sound strange, but I love animated movies for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and reading, of course, is a passion. And I occasionally traveling when time permits.
0: That sounds really nice. I also really like animated movies. I think they can be so comforting, right? Yeah, I just love them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Between all of this, do you also find some time for personal projects?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, So this this wasn't the case uh, when I was working on the agency side. I think uh, very clearly, you know, there is no time when you're working, you're working very long hours. And I had three young children at that point in time. And, you know, (laughs) So between the home and uh, between work, I had no time to do anything else, unless someone requested me and it was a special thing that I was doing for them. Uh, But like I said earlier, you know, this is my second innings. And when I was starting out and when I was thinking about what I'm going to do and thinking about how I'm going to spend the rest, you know, suppose the next decade, uh, I was very intentional that there is a certain proportion of my time, certain percentage of my time that is going to be allocated towards my passion projects that I'm not going to wait anymore to do the things that i want right. to do you know uh, because i think we always wait to do a lot <laughs> of things for i don't know one fine day and that probably that one fine day doesn't come sometimes uh, so i'm very intentional about that That's and so about true. one of uh, my big passion projects is my podcast actually the elephant in the room which is now in its 100 um 107th episode i think um, and, uh, I'm also looking forward to launching, um, the first offsite, uh, for our women in leadership program, um, in India this year. Um, and, uh, this is because I believe that all women need to understand the systemic challenges they face in the life cycle of their careers. Um, and you know, understand how different life stages inter- intersect with systemic inequalities and, um, uh, exacerbate issues for them. Um, I also volunteer for the PRCA as a chair of the Equity and Inclusion Advisory Council, and we've just finished our uh, annual conference uh, on the 14th. Um, so, yeah, I do. I These are all personal projects because I am very mindful that there is limited time and there are not enough of people who speak about certain things, and I'd like to make change. And if I want that change to happen, I need to contribute towards it. So sometimes I think I may have taken on too much, but most of the time, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to contribute.
0: Absolutely. And it's all for a good cause. So I'm I'm sure that's also a really big factor that keeps um, one going. Tell us about how you talk to your mom every day. That's really sweet. Um, Tell us a little bit more about your family and how you grew up and where you grew up.
1: So I grew up in a city called Pune in Western India. And uh, I had a fairly, what do you say, mm-hmm. fairly normal childhood. Uh, my father was an engineer and my mother was a housewife. And uh, my grandparents were freedom fighters. So they've always been inspirations for me. And, um, and uh, my, yeah. dad, my dad used to travel a lot move jobs a lot before we moved to Pune Uh, at that time I was probably very, very young. When we moved to Pune, I was already in year three. And uh, so a lot, lot of my, Mm -hmm. what do you say, sensibilities, my likes, dislikes, even food, you know, the habits uh, that I have acquired are, are, yeah, are very, very, what do you say, very influenced, By the city where i grew up which is pune which i loved and absolutely love today also though it's changed dramatically um and uh, my father was my father was unusual for those times because you know we're talking about a long time back if my career is over 33 years you can imagine how long time back it is um he was somebody who believed in work-life balance (laughs) um who you know believed in um you know the power of books and knowledge and who used to constantly speak to us about you know about black holes and shooting stars and um and about space and you know uh, the string theory and we didn't un- understand all of it but it did create mm-hmm. sort of a curiosity in all of us and he used to enable us to access books all the time. This is something which is a challenge for Indian parents even today. So at that point in time, it was like really, really, really good. And he he was also unusual in the fact that he did not, he did not expect his children to become uh, either engineers or doctors. He left it to us. Unfortunately, he was, he also belonged to a conservative Rajput community. And even though he was such a liberal man, when it came to me, he was I think he got, he got, he had the, you know, he probably felt a bit pressurized by the community and he didn't have any expectations of me at all. He had some expectations of my brothers on, you know, sort of careers, et cetera. He had no expectations from me. So that was a bit disappointing. And I used to like challenge him on that constantly. My mother was a housewife. She was a fantastic cook and our home was always beautifully kept. And she like, you know, Only when you grow older do you realize how important mothers are to, you know, who you become later in life. And uh, I, yeah, we, you know, she used to be there for us when we turned up from, you know, school and with a hot meal and, you know, always there to support us. So I think family life was very good. My dad was ahead of his time. And maybe sometimes it didn't really work out well because he left everything to us uh <laughs> to make decisions on and he was always someone who believed in you know a consensus approach to problem solving so uh that that's another thing which i think you learn after a certain stage but i think it it opened our minds and you know when you become when i became an adult it i realized what are the things i needed to do and how i needed to probably improve on those things um but yeah it was it it was a good good childhood um it was yeah it was a good childhood
0: so you talked a lot about your childhood and it sounds absolutely fantastic where, you know, your father has been very supportive um, and your mother as well, of course, um, and all the things that you learned from your parents and inculcating the habit of reading, etc. So what is a learning from your childhood and younger years that you still keep close um, with you? I think uh, work-life balance,
1: that it is okay for children to be bored and not be, to be doing something all the time. Um, and that it is important to treat children, uh, not necessarily as equals, but as intelligent beings, um, you know, and to possibly to hear what they have to say, because I think in Indian homes, we are brought up to be neither seen nor heard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely understand that. Um and you also mentioned that uh, your father had left most of the career planning or um, up to you completely, and uh, you know he didn't have many expectations. But um, what about you when you were leaving school, and um, when you, you were thinking about your aspirations and what you'd like to do? What were your thoughts at that time?
1: So you know, school is like year ten here, uh, and then you go to junior college, and then you go to uni for the last three years for your undergrad degree. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think much about anything actually when I was leaving school. I was uh, I was a fairly good student, but I was never the topper not not the person who came first in class. I would say I was in the first five, uh, but never someone who top. I think I just always stopped short of doing doing my very best because there was no expectation. <laughs> Uh, from me. So I I didn't think much about a career or anything. I knew that I loved reading. I knew that I liked geopolitics and politics, actually. Um, and that something would happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't come to it until I came to my undergrad degree. Um, and I was doing history and politics. Uh, and I started loving what I was doing and thinking more and more about journalism, because uh, re- like I said before, reading was a passion, writing was also a passion for me. Um, right. And, and uh, you know, that's why after uni, I I uh, did a master's in journalism and communications and then interned with, you know, sort of a national paper, uh, wrote some freelance stuff on some big, big issues of the time. Um, yeah, I, I, to all intents and purposes, I was in a career on the path to becoming a journalist.
0: <laughs> so would you say that you had a, a rather open mind, like going into, uh, you know, a whole field, um, just like armed with all the things you were interested in?
1: Yeah, yeah. I knew, you know, when you intern with a newspaper, yeah. you know that they they make you do the rubbish stuff, you know, the reporting and absolutely love and it's really really boring but I knew that you know I could get to the geopolitical stuff that I was interested in and that's why I started a master's in history and politics but I had not a master's I started a MPhil in history and politics and um, I actually uh, three quarters of the way through because I had terrible teachers and I had little kids at that time so I had to prioritize, you know, if I had bad teachers and Mm -hmm. I was not getting any value. So I dropped out of that. Um, Yeah, I'd I'd say that I also resisted very strongly um, any attempt, you know, because all my friends went on to become engineers and doctors, except for a few. Mm -hmm. Um, I resisted any attempt by anyone to tell me to do, you know, to do even an MBA, because I thought that was uh, very prescriptive. I thought that you could learn more Mm -hmm. from working you could learn from an MBA and that it was very sort of an elitist approach to education, which I really did not like. Uh, Of course, I learned much later that it is because it sort of helps you to, helps narrow the pool of candidates that organizations sort of, shortlist in a country like india where you get thousands and thousands of applications right uh, but yeah i resisted i think generally the norm uh, and tried, tried tried to do things that were not not the norm uh, very very strangely
0: so how do you think that has um, shaped up uh, your career now because Um, You know, you set out to do something so different and um, set apart from what your peers were doing and what your family um, was doing since your father was an engineer. Did you think you'd ever expect to be in a career like you are now?
1: No, actually never. I didn't expect to be in PR or media, in a career in media, Mm -hmm. unless it was to think about journalism. And so in comparison to my expectations, I didn't have too many expectations And uh, when I joined PR, I was actually getting desperate because I joined later than, you know, so I graduated when I was 21 and a half but I didn't start working until I was maybe 23 or 24. Uh, And this is because I got married and I had children young. So I was getting a bit desperate and thinking about, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to have a, you know, where do I get a job? How do I get into the job? Uh, And... uh, so when I interviewed and I got my first job, I was really delighted and thrilled, and of course it gave me an opportunity to use mm-hmm. some of my skills, you know, writing, reading, having a b- bigger world, broader world view than a lot of people. Um, I think it it has it has worked out, and it had worked out for the longest time until it didn't. Um, and those, of course, I I'd, see, yeah, and those, you know, when it didn't, it didn't because of sometimes sometimes at certain stages things happen in life and you know yeah uh but but i'm generally ha- i'm generally happy with where i got to without planning uh and without doing too much thinking about it uh just doing my job very well being good at what i was doing um yeah leading yeah. Meeting teams and you know advising clients on crisis or strategies or um yeah just just on building the thought leadership um i i think it 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 uh, yeah went, went better than one would have expected you know if when you don't have a plan
0: yeah i i would i would say that myself i mean um i think even without planning, it's, um, you know, like oftentimes people think so much, take so much time to overthink and plan out things and get quite disheartened when things don't work out uh, the way they would want them to. So this is quite often the best approach. Um, is there uh, somebody who's been very influential in your career or um, somebody who's mentored you and impacted how you think about these things?
1: Unfortunately, I have not had very... Various- any strong influences in my career, I'd say, uh, or in, and I didn't have a mentor or a sponsor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, that I had, um, you know, when I joined the industry, which is an industry that really works very long hours, uh, I already had two young children uh, and I lived in a joint family and I had a mother-in-law who was unwell yes. after a point in time. Um, So I didn't have any time to, you know, find a mentor or look for a mentor or ask someone to be a mentor or, you know, be a sponsor uh, or even join a network. So, yeah, I I was just, Mm -hmm. I think, between my home life and my work life, I had no time for anything. I didn't and I didn't really look for a mentor to uh, I didn't think it was necessary or important. I think you. Just. Um, in those days, you just went about doing what you needed to do uh, to the best of your capability.
0: Right. So you didn't feel an absence for one um, or wondered that perhaps there, it would be nice if there was somebody to guide you or to um, show you the ropes?
1: I think uh, I did. Of course, I I think I did. You know, when when do you most miss for example i'll tell you when do you most miss your home when you're probably in hostel and you're you're thinking about food right uh, for me when mm-hmm. i realized mm-hmm. i missed you know the support of a network or the guidance of a mentor when i hit my hit a career wall back in the uk in 2018 um and i suddenly realized how important it is uh to for all not just women for everyone to have a network uh beyond you know their close circle of friends to have a professional network a support system to have mentors and to have sponsors to be very mm-hmm. intentional about it and to look for them and to find them uh, because I didn't have them I did not look for them I did not find them and I, nobody offered to at one stage I'd say you know for for uh, maybe for a uh, for a very short period of time I did have a mentor who supported me when I moved you know when I quit my um, agency in India to start my own consultancy yeah. and um, this was Mr. Harish Mehta, who who was the founder, one of the founding members of uh, Thai, which is called the Indus Entrepreneurs, and um, also a hugely influential person. He used to run a business called Onward novel in partnership with Novell. Uh, and uh, he mm-hmm. said, you know, Sudha, if you need to set up on yourself, I will support you. We will be your first client. You go ahead and do it. So I think I think yeah for the show, I wish I had stayed in India after that because I ran my consultancy for a year here and then we moved to the UK uh, and so mm-hmm. it was uh, and I and I can imagine if I was here I would have had more of his guidance and more support from the industry uh, and beyond actually uh, but then I moved to a new country um, yeah. At a certain stage where i knew no one um so yeah for a brief period i did have a mentor and he was brilliant and i always am grateful to him uh because you know he was the first client and then i got a couple of other clients including lego and etos origin and others who, who were happy to come work with me um just you know as a newbie entrepreneur
0: yeah um do you think when you first came to the u k you would have really benefited from um a mentor or some guidance that is you know much aligned to you in context in terms of you know either being a woman or a woman of color or somebody who's trying to set up their own business, um, something like that?
1: Absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: I think it would have been very, very useful mm-hmm. for me to uh, be a part of a network uh to have a mentor uh And to have some guidance on on you know how to find my way uh this is you know you're talking about early 2000, right. thousand one two thousand two and you know the issues that you're talking about didn't actually uh they were they were under the surface they were not as visible and conversations about uh you know representation exactly. illusions didn't exist. Uh, people like me who came to the UK, uh, for economic reasons, you just put your head down and did your work. Um, you didn't challenge, you didn't speak, mm-hmm. up, uh, and you did, you know, made the best of whatever, whatever life had dealt you or whatever, wherever you were in your career. So I definitely think that, you know, it would have, right. definitely. there's no two ways that, you know, a mentor would have given a different direction to my life and career
0: and um is there anyone who's come to you for guidance or mentorship ever since you've set up the purpose room and ever since you've been doing the podcast
1: so i have been mentoring a lot of people for quite some time actually even when i was in the uk so when i was in the uk and then when i came back to india um i worked with some big huge consultancies and then i went back to the uk um and now, of course, I'm in India working on a project okay. again. Um, yeah, so I I have mentor mentored a lot of uh, people, a lot of team members who worked with me, who some of who didn't see their own potential, others who felt that uh, they were not sort of you know prepared for the next challenge, or were stuck in their careers. Um, yeah, so I I have mm-hmm. been mentoring people for a long time, um, and I enjoy that mentoring. I enjoy that sharing of knowledge because it is always two-sided. There's so much learning to do from the mentee. Um, of course. And uh, yeah, it, it sort of enriches and it makes you understand where you are and what you're doing right and what could be done better. Um, so absolutely, I have been mentoring for quite some time.
0: And do you also come across often um, other women like yourself who want to start their own business or are feeling stuck um, and you know are trying to break into the industry? So you know um, since uh, 2018 um, when
1: I quit it in 2018 I did a lot of learning. I went to INSEAD, I became a certified trainer, I joined the PRC mm-hmm. and I became active on the CIPR. And all of this I did to be able to understand and to be able to advise people on how better to uh, navigate their career journey, Um, you know, to understand understand sort of, you know, the roadblocks that they're likely to face, you know, to understand uh, why it's important Mm -hmm. for them to speak up, to understand why it is important for them to have sponsors, etc., so um yeah so when, when i did all of it learning it was about to be able to help and support people because i have seen uh from my experience and i have seen through engagement uh you know with the people that i work with that a lot of people from uh the global majority or capital black and capital ethnic E black and ethnic minority community uh Move out of agencies because they are frustrated uh, because of the lack of career progression or lack of opportunities, um, and they're more likely to, uh, you know, become independent or try to set up something on their own uh, because they are they have been unable to succeed in an agency or you know in the workplaces that exist today. Uh, so definitely, I I think uh, I see this all the time. I see this amongst, you know, my cohort that, you know, my advisory council uh, in the race and ethnicity equity board, I've seen other people and I see that they've become entrepreneurs not, not because they didn't have any choice, but because uh, either because they were blocked uh, or because they think that things can be better if I set up on myself. And, you know, try, try to create something new where, where I can use my experience and, you know, make, make it a better place for other people like us yeah. uh, to work in the industry.
0: Right. Why do you think that there's these hurdles to success um, for minorities in agency life?
1: I think it is, uh, so this is legacy, Right. Um, you know, most agencies are not designed Uh, If you look look at, you know, the last census, uh, we live, we are in a majority, majority white. Um, What do you say? Most of the people working in agencies are white. There's nothing, it's not a problem. That is not a problem in itself. Uh, the problem is that there is not sufficient representation from other groups. Uh, And if there is representation, even Mm -hmm. if these people come in, you know, at the entry level, they are not able to make it past a certain point uh, because perhaps the culture, the agency culture is not designed around, um, designed to fit in different kinds of people people who come from different backgrounds, or people with different beliefs. Um, and, uh, and mm-hmm. we continue to see that, you know, culture change, you know, while a lot of agencies in the past two years, our past two and a yeah. half years, you know, after the tragic events of 2020 have started, you know, talking about doing things. Uh, we've seen from research reports that most of it is like tick box. It's on representation, it's not around culture, it's not around culture yeah. change. Uh we are an industry which relies heavily on, you know, sort of uh friends and friends of friends to bring in people. Right? Especially at the senior level. You know someone mm-hmm. it's very easy for you yes. to uh get through. Um so I it exists because uh this is this is how we are as a nation this is how we are as a workplace and i think our industry has been a bit more a bit slower than others to think about you know making inclusion and equity and fairness uh, an intrinsic part of of who they are
0: and then what are some of these values that you keep in mind when you're working on the purpose room um, and some things that you try to rectify in your own work. So
1: in our in uh, at the purpose room, you know, the values that we look at are you know that we are very, 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 very keen on and we are wedded to is being brave. Uh, we are continuously learning and we are unafraid of mm-hmm. change. Um, so and we are happy to say, you know, okay, this is wrong, let's do this better. And move forward, but we have to be brave because you know you can't be like you were earlier, where you are trying to, uh, where you just keep quiet about things that you have not done done well. Uh, You know, creativity is is a core. Uh, Responsible being responsible Mm -hmm. is very very important to us. You know, the drive to do good, be ethical, work towards a bigger purpose that benefits those who work with us and beyond um you know that is very very important important to us so you know i won't necessarily work with a with a liquor brand or a tobacco brand uh or some yeah. pe- maybe the fossil f- or not maybe fossil fuel companies um and uh mm-hmm. this is what we aspire to do because you know if i'm going to tell people to uh think about being ethical then i think that is it's important for me to be able to live that and to represent that.
0: Walk the talk, yeah. And
1: of course,
0: um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, being
1: ethical uh, and being inclusive. Uh, so we want to make sure that, you know, because I talk a lot about DEI, DEIB, and I talk about a lot about race and ethnicity and women on boards and a disability. And I want to make sure that the people we work with uh, believe in those values um, or are willing to learn about those values. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the ethical, we review all our actions through an ethical lens. You know, we abide by industry codes of conduct um, and have, you know, like on compliance and data privacy, et cetera we're not big enough to be, we're a small, you know, sort of a micro consultancy, not big enough to be a B Corp or something like that. But I think that's an aspiration for when we're big enough, we will do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's a really great framework set in place already. Um, Is there anything you'd do differently? Um, Have you, when you were starting over, you know, if you had any idea what your trajectory could look like?
1: (laughs) I'd probably uh, spend some uh, I can't say more time because I didn't spend any time in the first uh, in the first part. I'd probably spend some time planning my career uh, and thinking about life contingencies and life stages. Um, while I was planning my career, I would also join networks, make time for them, you know, because this is what you need to do. Uh, and I would actively, yeah, I would actively seek out uh mentors and sponsors also I would speak my mind
0: I think those are all some excellent points um and I hope that you know we're all able to action these in our professional lives as well um what is the funniest thing that's happened to you in your professional life
1: yeah I was thinking a lot about this we've had like I've, we've had a lot of you know haha moments with the uh, clients but uh one that, you know, I recall was uh, this global mining giant. Uh, they had, uh, you know, open cast. They were going to start doing open cast mining in um, in Eastern India, in a state in Eastern India. And there was already a lot of okay. uh, what do you say, international protest and uh, activism against that project. And we were going to do some due diligence. So the company was flying us in their uh, private plane. So they flew us from one big city in Western India to to an airport in Eastern India. And from that airport, we took another smaller aircraft. And this aircraft was like, seemed very rudimentary. We were not like that that scared at that point in time. They were just, (laughs) I had two of my colleagues and the pilot was sitting sitting, and of course he was there because you need a pilot to fly a plane. And, uh, and you know, they, these are all hilly. This is hilly terrain that you're going through to arrive to this very, very remote location. And uh, after a point, this pilot, like, you know, he'd spread out a map in front of him and he was looking at it.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, you know, the three of us, we started getting a bit nervous. Uh, but fortunately, That's a we, bad didn't know sign. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: we didn't know enough to be really frightened. Uh, but the minute we landed and we went to meet the CEO and he said, oh, hello, how are you, Sada?" And we said, we just landed, he flew us. And he said, oh my God, you should have never flown that aircraft. And this was, you know, oh he goodness. was looking, the pilot was looking for landmarks to see where the, you know, landing strip was on the map. So it <gasps> didn't have, it didn't, didn't oh my have it didn't have a proper, what do you say, a GPS system, I'd say. Uh, and oh my uh, God. we just use this for, yeah, use this for random things. And we were like, so, so, so like, you know, <laughs> so frightened by the idea, but we also laughed at all, uh, that this is like so hilarious, that something like this has happened to us.
0: Oh my God. I mean, I asked for funny, but this feels a little frightening. <laughs>
1: It, was, it would have been scary if we knew about it in advance, uh, but it wasn't scary. We only knew about it, when, yeah. it was told us when the CEO told us. So it was very funny after that, after that initial outrage. Oh, my God. Why did they do that? <laughs> after that, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what were we thinking?
0: Oh, my God. Wow. OK, I have a slightly cliche question for you next. If you could be anyone in the world for a day, who would you be?
1: You know, I'm going to be very cliched about this. I would be a better version
0: of myself. Oh, that's actually a really good answer. I don't think that's a very cliché answer at all. What do you think? What do you think you would do differently if you were a better version of yourself? Like wake up earlier or something like that?
1: No, no. I I don't attribute uh, you know waking up early to being a better version. I think uh, one would need to follow through on my beliefs. Um, I think a lot of us compromise a lot as we move through life uh, and through life stages. Um, And of course, compromise is essentially, you know, like collaboration, compromise is not always bad, Uh, but you must not give up on your beliefs uh, because you are too busy.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good advice. Um, And then if you were to choose any three guests from any part of the world to have dinner with and from any time in history, who would be your top three picks? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I would say my paternal grandparents Mm -hmm. and my father. And the reason is that uh, my father was just five years old when his father uh, died. Um, you know because of incarceration during the British rule mm-hmm. um, he was incarcerated because he was a freedom fighter I see. and uh, I have heard so many stories about him and my grandmother and the work they did as freedom fighters including supporting uh, you know Bhagat Singh when he was fleeing mm-hmm. you know when he was to be off after the attempt and he was fleeing and he fled to through eastern India and uh they had given him shelter for some time and so i'd I'd love to hear the stories and know more and also the you know the uh I've heard that my grandmother uh she went with my father to Lahore jail to visit my grandfather oh, wow. uh, when he was in prison and uh, and i so i i you know when when you are young, you don't think about these things mm. because you grow older, you think oh I, I had spoken to my grandmother about these things and asked her these questions. Um, yeah I didn't I didn't think about them at all at that time. Um, so I'd love to have them as a guest and to hear more about their stories.
0: I think that's so true. Um, a lot of these stories in our family are are really inspiring and they tell you so much about, you know, where you come from. Um, most, like, I think three out of my four grandparents are actually from Lahore. So I, I completely relate to what you're saying. There'd be some amazing stories and narrations, um, no doubt. Yeah.
1: And we forget that these stories exist within our homes, you know, Um Is very, very important.
0: Yeah, you know, they go away with people and then, yeah, it's important to to know these things. Um, I'll wrap up with um, a question that I think, um, you know, would be a nice um, note to end on, which I think is, uh, what do you say is the bravest thing um, that you've done so far?
1: I think a few things. uh, Learning to let go of my fears, not all of them, but some of them. Um, you know, when I moved back to India to look after my mom a couple of years back, it required, um, you know, clarity of thought and bravery, uh, because a lot of people thought it was very foolish of me to make a decision like that, you know, to know how it is going to impact my family, me, my career. And of course, it did have a huge impact on all all three. Um, and, the, you know, there was uh, the second yeah. time in 2018 when I stepped out of the fear uh, because there was nothing left more for me to fear, right, after numerous rejections. So I moved ahead mm-hmm. and I launched my podcast and my consultancy. And I think uh, I would definitely like to uh, say this about, is, I don't know, Indian women, uh, because I can't speak for others, but Indian women, that we live our lives with fear. We start you know the starting point Mm -hmm. of anything is fear can you go there you know you start with what is going to go wrong can you do this you're always thinking about what could go wrong yeah so i'm trying trying to be intentional and mindful um and not let fear govern yeah the things that i want to do all my children want to do because we project our fears on our children um uh, my daughter is on a sabbatical Absolutely. to south america and she's been to peru and chile and bolivia and on her own of course and uh, and uh, i have i have been worried wow. at times uh, before she went but i i made an effort to uh, not project you know my fear onto her and not make her who i was you know this very yes. careful person who didn't do so many things because I was afraid.
0: Absolutely, it's important to break the cycle, and I think it's it's so inspiring. Um, even more so to be aware of the things that you're setting out to do right and to redo, um, for the generation that comes after you. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think all of that requires a bit of bravery—not too much of bravery, like you know, you uh, you know, lion attacks you and then you fight it off. Uh, But these are the daily things that, you know, little braveries that get you through life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I must say, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Sudha. And thank you so much for being our very first guest for the season two of Untick the Box. And it has been lovely to have you.
1: Thank you so much, Kavita, for asking all of these wonderful questions. Uh, that made me reminisce and also think a bit about uh, where I am and where we are <laughs> in the journey. Um, I'm feeling very grateful for being invited uh, to be the first guest for this new season. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for um, being here. And hopefully we will speak soon again. And that's a wrap. If you're still here, thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram and write to us with any feedback you have. See you next time on Untick the Box Podcast Season 2.